So if you don't know me, my name's Tree, Teresa, so don't worry. Well, actually, my name is Teresa, but short, short name is Tree. Um, and we've been um, in a series at the moment. Is that me, Paul? It is, yeah, yeah, it is you. <laughs> I'm probably going to break it. Is that better? Yeah, okay. Um, we're in a series at the moment called Outgrown. Um, and I'm going to be speaking this morning on insecurity. So we've been looking at different deep things that basically, you know, God wants us to be clothed in power. And as Jamie often says, but the enemy wants you naked and afraid because if you are naked and afraid, you are in either fight or flight or freeze mode. Okay, so let's start with a promise because that's always a good place to start. Um, in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8, it said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out to the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is, it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So, I've already dropped in. So I'm never somebody or I never seem to preach on anything that I've never experienced myself, okay? So when I said to the kids this morning, they said, what are you preaching on? I said, insecurity. And Paul, my marvellous husband, said, oh, that was your buzzword growing up. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I love his face when I do that. Um, <coughs> and it was. Growing up, there was nothing around me to tell me that I should be anything other than insecure, okay? Insecure about... You can be insecure about external things, but internally, I was insecure. And when we're rooted in the Spirit, the Bible teaches us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Okay, That's when you're rooted in the Spirit. The outworking of your root is all of those things. Okay, and, and that then impacts on how we relate with each other, how we relate to God, how willing we are to take risks, how much we're going to step out into the things that he asks us to do. However, we live in a world where, for many of us, our root emotion is fear. So when I looked at what is the root emotion of insecurity, the root emotion of insecurity is fear. And insecurity as a definition, is essentially inadequacy, a lack of confidence, and an uncertainty about our abilities, um, our life goals, the relationships that we have, and the outcomes for our lives. So if I look back at my life when I was younger and growing up, and probably well into my 30s, I would say that that's what defined me. And, and it took a lot of of engagement with God and actually coming to the barn, actually, and learning, relearning who Christ was and what my relationship with Christ could be, that that started to be unpicked. But what happens when our root emotion is fear and when insecurities are defining feeling, and, and these are psychological fruits, so this is not just me saying this, this is, you know, I, I, I look into what, what are the fruits of insecurity? Shame, comparison, discounting myself, avoiding any risk, perfectionism, so having a high standard for myself that I will never reach, 
feeling disempowered because I can never reach that thing that I set as my high standard. I have a fear of intimacy. Well, you end up with a fear of intimacy, so your friendships are at a, a safe distance, so you never have to make yourself too vulnerable. Um, it can lead to arrogance. It can lead to prevalent anger. And, and how then, if this, if this is our root, if this is the fruit, how does that play into our relationship with God and our willingness to step into the things that he has for us? Okay, so I'm going to look at, right, I'm a, I'm a child of a pastor, okay? So we deal in the three Ps. So there's always alliteration when we do a preach. Okay, so just today's R, that we lack, the lack of trust in ourselves overtakes our trust in God. And we lack trust in his power. So we have insecurity around the power of God. We have insecurity around our person, who we are in God, and therefore in our position with God. And I don't know always where insecurities come from, okay? But I'll give you some examples of where insecurities may have come from for you. Um, sometimes it just comes within ourselves. So there are some of us that just say, I'm just naturally insecure. I just naturally don't have that, that strength. Or I don't, I'm not naturally an extrovert. So I naturally question myself. Okay, one type of insecurity. Other insecurities are given to us, so through relationships. So whether you have engaged in a relationship or a friendship, um, a partner, and, and the very undulating nature of that relationship built insecurity in you, made you feel never quite certain that, that this person was going to be for you completely. And that starts to build a root of fear. Um, strangely, the church can create insecurities in our attempts to achieve grace. Funny how we think you can do that. But that, that we create these constructs and we say that, yeah, okay, like there's, like there's grace. Okay, so yeah, absolutely saved by grace. But also then there's this extra bit of like good and like when I was growing up, it was like God's best for you. So yeah, I know you're saved, but are you living in God's best? And so, okay, how do I do that? Right, well, I'll construct this way. And if you achieve that and achieve that and achieve that, then you can live in grace. And all of a sudden, this, this promise of God suddenly feels insecure, feels like, oh, I'm not going to be able to achieve it then. And you may just have had past experiences that have taught you um, to have insecurity, that it, it becomes a safe place. Okay, so the first question, if we're looking at insecurity, and we'll look first at power. So the key question, and I have to thank Murray for this because he brought this to my attention this week. So the key question, first question, am I safe with God? Okay, and there, and there are times where I will talk globally, but I want to talk personally, okay? So I, I want to speak to you personally. Am I safe with God? So we can say, yeah, I trust God. Yeah, yeah, God should be trusted. But do you feel safe with him? What's your internal belief of God and you in relationship with him? 
And what does that internal belief tell you about God? So first of all, let's look at power. Are you safe with God? Okay, well, last week I stood up and I was like, God's massive. Okay, God's massive. And I say that a lot. Like, like just remember, God, this is the God who created the universe. This is the author of time. This is the starter, the beginning, and the alpha and omega, the starter and the finisher. Okay, this, this is God, okay? But what we've done in our construct is we've put God up there. We've made heaven up there, and we've put ourselves down here, and so there's this disconnectivity with God, okay? So his massiveness sits outside of us, and we observe his massiveness, but I want to challenge you now to bring God here, right? That God imbibes all of this, that he is massive. He is in all. He is through all. And if you look at Isaiah 40, 10 to 12, it says, behold your God, right? And I want you to, everybody, when I say behold your God, we'll do that, right? So I want you to just like stay here. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord shall come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. So the first thing I want you to notice about this is the juxtaposition of gentle and giant. Right, here is a God who is first explained to you as someone who will gather the lambs to him, who cares for those who are with young. Right, how vulnerable are you when you've got young children? Oh, so vulnerable. He gathers you to him. He's so gentle. But then it tells you about his greatness, right? How big is he? He measures the waters in the hollow of his hand. So I tried, to, I haven't written it down, but it's something like 300 quadrillion liters of water, I don't know, within the world, right? There's your hollow. That's the hollow of your hand, okay? God holds the waters there. That's how big he is. Not up there, round here, here, okay? That God who wanted you here this morning, who cares for you, who is about you, who last week I said pursues you, is after you, is for you, He's that big that all of the trillion, million, however many of water sit in the pot hollow of his hand, okay? The same God who gathers the lambs to him, who is gentle, the same God has measured heaven with a span, okay? So a span is this, right? There's the span. So he has measured the universe, which is immeasurable, that even scientists now can't find a way to measure it. He just went like that. Oh, it's that big. Okay. That, that is the God that loves you, that pursues you, that at the beginning of the time, at the beginning of time, set a plan for you. Okay. So, are you safe with God? Yes, you are safe with him. He is powerful. He's huge. He's massive. He's gentle. He's loving, he's kind. So that insecurity that you say to yourself, I'm not safe with him, he cannot be trusted, I don't know how this is going to work out, you are safe with him. 
And the next reason you are safe with God, because not only God, is God powerful in might, but God is mighty in love. So in um, Ephesians, I haven't written it down, but it's, <laughs> it says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. And then it says, um, in this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, for perfect love drives out fear. And I, I looked into this because I thought, I wonder if there's anywhere that talks about what happens when you feel love, what happens to fear. Okay. So, there has been a study in um, 2020, and it's called The Brain in Love. And the purpose of that study was to see what happens when you feel romantic love, right? So let's just say romantic love is imperfect. It's human. It's, it's often fleeting. And what happens when your brain experiences love is it produces hormones that deactivates the, the amygdala. So the amygdala is where your brain holds fear, okay? So, it, so love temporarily deactivates the amygdala, temporarily. So in that moment that you feel love, you don't feel fear, okay? God has come so that your insecurity cannot just be temporarily resolved for a certain amount of time, God has come that you would experience perfect love, that fear and insecurity wouldn't just be slightly moved to the side for a temporary moment, that it would be entirely driven out. Okay, and we'll get to what happens when, that, when you have that experience. But if the root of emotion, of, if the root of insecurity is fear, then God has already said... I've already got the plan for it. I already know how to get rid of it. It's perfect love. I already made the plan. I know you will have insecurity. I know you will have fear. I have made provision for that. And what I find so interesting about that is because within that scripture it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Okay, so not only has God said, I'm safe, right? I love you, I'm safe, I'm big. He's then instructed us how to create a safe environment for each other so that when we engage with each other, we can do so in safety, knowing that we are loved by each other. Okay, it's clever, isn't he? <laughs> because... Let me talk about confirmation bias, okay? So, if you believe that you do not belong, right, there's a, there's a quote from one of my favorite authors, and she says, do not go into the world and look for evidence that you don't belong, because you will find it. And the reason you will find it is because your brain is set up to have something called confirmation bias, right? So that thing which I believe, my brain seeks out the evidence of that. So if I believe I don't belong, every time somebody behaves in a way to me, I will, my brain will confirm. There you go, told you you didn't belong. If I feel like I'm not good enough, my brain will seek out the evidence and my brain will go, I told you you weren't good enough. 
And what God has done is instructed us to create an environment that absolutely blows out confirmation bias. Because every time I seek from the church, I don't belong, you will show me you belong. Every time I look to you and say, oh, I'm not good enough, you look back at me and you say, no, you're good enough. And it blows out confirmation bias. God has constructed the church and created the church to dispel insecurity, for this to be a place where we can love each other and negate that thing that the world does for us. You know, I tested this week. I thought, right, I'm going to... And, and I'll tell you, it's your algorithm, right? Your algorithm is one of the things that helps that confirmation bias. If you're a scroller, anybody a numbing scroller? I am. It's like, oh, it's too much. I'm just going to scroll. And... I'm scrolling and I thought, what would happen if I focus in on, and I thought, I'll focus in on uh, negativity around my body, right? So I, I found something that was about weight, right? And I focused in on it. And I watched it for a minute. Every single thing after that was told me that I needed to be on this particular hormone replacement therapy, that I needed to lose this, that I needed to go to this gym, that I needed to... Then I tried it again. And this time I thought, ooh, let's go right wing. So I went quite right wing and I watched something. And straight away, everything was this feeding of this belief. And so that is the world. So even more so now as a church, we have to be strong in negating confirmation bias, right? So reset your algorithm in your own life. But in this church, reset the algorithm Okay, look out for those people. If somebody says something negative over themselves, be the person that says, no, 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 I'm not having that. You do belong. No, 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 I'm not having that. God does love you. I went off on a tangent. Don't know where that came from. Anyway, right, it does lead on to the next thing. So the next question is, in my person, am I enough? Okay, okay so the beginning of shame. <clears throat> in Genesis 2.25, um, it describes Adam and Eve as being both naked and, really importantly, and they felt no shame, okay? And, and often we, we obsess over the fact that they were naked because that's quite a Western thing. But if you think about it, that's kind of the writer saying they should have felt shame because they were naked, and they were walking around and they should have felt shame, but they felt no shame. So they felt no shame. <clears throat> then in Genesis 3, after they've eaten the fruit, it says, the eyes of both of them, sorry. <clears throat> it says, the eyes of both of them were opened <clears throat> and they realized they were naked. So they felt shame. So in that moment, they felt their inadequacy. They realized how, poor, how much less they were. And they felt shame. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they constructed a covering for themselves. Okay? And that's really important. They constructed the covering. They looked for that thing that made it, that made it right. Okay? How many of us, when we feel insecurity, look for the thing that makes it right? So we construct relationships, or we construct behaviors, or we construct belief systems. And those are the things that we construct to cover our inadequacy, to cover our insecurity. 
And they say to God, I was afraid, so I hid. Okay. And questions come into my mind as I'm preparing these, these words. And the question is, how many of you are hiding? How many of us are still hiding? Because of that insecurity, because of things that have been said over us. How many of us are saying, I'm afraid, so I'm hiding? Okay. But the most powerful thing of this scripture is that it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You see, God saw that the covering from their inadequacy and their insecurity was insufficient. It didn't cover them. They were still naked. They still felt shame. And so he then constructed a sufficient covering for them. That first sacrifice, that first blood that was spilt, was a sufficient covering for their insecurities. Whatever insecurity you have, Whatever place you feel insecure or inadequate, God has made a covering already. He has made sufficient. So are you enough? Even in places where you need to grow, even in places where you still need to develop, yes, you are enough because God has you covered already. He has made sufficiency for you. And if you're still not sure if you're enough, Every single biblical trailblazer was chosen by God and each one shared the same characteristic. I can't find one that wasn't flawed but faithful. In Hebrews 11, it lists all of those people of God and, you know, it says Moses by faith, Abraham by faith, that every single one of them, they were flawed but they were chosen by God and they were faithful You know, when Moses um, in Exodus, God, I I loved this scripture when I was reading it because Moses is asked by God to go into Egypt, okay? And he, we all know, he goes back to God and he says, well, I'm not eloquent. I won't, I get tongue-tied. So God says, yes, but I gave you, I gave you your mouth. And then he says, yeah, but they won't believe me. Okay, but what is in your hand? And a staff, okay, throw it to the ground, it will turn to a snake and that will be my evidence and then they will believe you. And Moses still won't have it. And then it says, and then the Lord got angry and he went, okay, there's Aaron, all right? He'll come with you. He's clever. And I just, I loved it because again, Moses, I'm insecure, I'm insecure, I'm insecure. And God went, all right, sufficiency, right? Here's your friend, take your friend, tell him what you need to say. And then, but he still used Moses. Moses is still the one who in Hebrews is named as, but Moses by faith. And again, In John 15, 16, when Jesus, to the disciples, he clearly says to them, you did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And again, he creates a place of safety for their differences where he says, my command is love each other. You can go through each of the disciples and each of them have a specific characteristic. And they all have a particular personality. None of them are the same. And that's one of the things that really struck me when I was preparing this, and maybe because of my background. But that for some of us, we've tried to construct what looks like a Christian. Yeah, so we've tried to construct what looks like a good Christian, and it's left us feeling 
more insecure and more inadequate. And so the next question with am I enough is who told you that you weren't? When we were growing up, there was one, Paul will remember, there was one sermon that our youth leader, Jay, and he had a really strong Scottish accent. Sorry, Murray, I'm going to try a Scottish accent now. And he did a whole thing, and it was like, who told you that? And it was, thanks, thanks. <laughs> and, and he just, he went through insecurity, and he said, this, 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 who told you that? This, 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 who told you that? And that's my question to you. Who told you that you're not enough? Who told you that your personality, the way God made you, isn't enough? Who told you that? And what impact has that had on you and your relationship with God? What impact has that had on your relationship with the church? Or how able you are to wholeheartedly love other people? If you don't accept yourself as a child of God, if you don't think that who you are is enough, that the personality God gave you he gave you for a reason. You know, the Bible clearly says that we are members of a body, that some of us are the hands, other of us are the... But each of us has a reason why we are here. Who told you that you weren't good enough? The Bible clearly says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then this really interesting one, going back to the algorithm, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And I am going to go there. <laughs> How many of us actually, actually hate our bodies? Actually hate what they look like? Have that experience of saying that over ourselves? How many of us are frustrated with them and are taught that you could be better, you need to be doing this more, you need to be doing this more? You know, the enemy has been so insidious, and I absolutely hate giving him any kudos, but so insidious to undermine your person in Christ and my person in Christ and the love that God has for us. Because he's just put it everywhere. You're not enough, you're not enough. That needs to change, that needs to change. And has totally distracted us away from the love and the all-encompassing grace of God. You see, the outcome of insecurity is distraction. So I, if I'm spending all my time going, yeah, probably, yeah, I'm probably the wrong size. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm not good at that. Oh, gosh, look at them. They're really good at that. They're much more holy than I am. How effective am I? How engaged am I in Christ? How much, for, how much am I moving on in him? How much am I developing? I'm just entirely distracted. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, I am shooting harpoons at the moon. I am focused on the moon and saying, look, this scary thing in the sky, and all the time the enemy is creeping up behind me because he has successfully distracted me. So, but we are called to submit to God. So, yes, your personality is called to be submitted to God. The Greek word is hupotasso. I think that's how you say it. And what that means is to place oneself under the authority of, but in the context, it's actually a military term. So to draw yourself alongside, right? What would happen if your personality, that characteristic that you have, that you constantly keep trying to abandon and you keep trying to ignore and put to one side, 
because it makes you feel insecure. What if you brought that and you submitted it to God? What could God do with you? So I'll give you an example. I have often been told that I have a, uh, re- a rebellious heart or a rebel heart has been t- you're such a rebel. So that's, that's often been said over me, right? And Paul will tell you that if he says to me, Tree, sit down, I'll stand up. And if he says, don't go that way, I'll go that way. Or like yesterday, he said, don't do this. And I looked at him and he went, do what you want. And we're now. <laughs> but, I, you know, I love paradox, right? I'm both and. I both have a rebel heart and it is entirely submitted to God. Okay. One of the greatest things I ever did was go, do you know what, God, thank you for giving me a rebel heart. Thank you that when somebody tells me I can't do something, tells me something, my rebel heart says, no, God told me that. How many of you need to call back the wildness of yourselves? How many of you would be amazing evangelists if you just brought back that thing of yourself that you've been spending all of your life trying to abandon because insecurity told you that that's not what God wants. God doesn't want that. You need to construct a Christian. No, 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 no. God made you. God knows exactly who he needs you to be. You just need to call back the wildness. Imagine if you reframed it. So instead of, God, please stop me being rebellious. God, please stop me having this rebel heart. God, please... What if you said, God, thank you for me. God, thank you that you gave me a rebel heart. God, thank you that you made me an introvert. God, thank you that you made me this person, that you gave me this personality. I submit it to your army. I bring it to your military, and I use it for your purposes. What what would happen? So, questions. Am I safe with God? Am I safe with God? Yeah, yeah. Am I loved by God? Yeah. Am I enough? Cool. Okay. You don't sound very sure. Okay, so that leads me to my position in God. Okay. So in Hebrews 10, verse 10, it says, We have been made holy through sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Romans says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Luke 20 says we are sons and daughters of God. Colossians says we are brought to fullness in Christ. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says we are a chosen people. We are a people belonging to God. Your position in Christ is secure. So when the enemy comes to you and he says, yeah, but did God actually mean you today? Because I know like she was saying generally, but did he actually? Yes, Yes, absolutely, yes. Because when Christ died, he died once and for all. So that's your position in Christ. And let's go back. Perfect love casts out fear. If you have a fear, if you're, you've got a negative self-belief or insecurity, if you've abandoned parts of yourself, if you believe that God can't refine them and can't use them, then my prayer today is that you have the experience of Ephesians 3.18, that being rooted in love, not fear, 
that you may have power together with all God's holy people in this place where we are going to absolutely dispel confirmation bias, where we are going to tell each other that we are loved, that we are telling each other that we are accepted, that you grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and know that love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I'm going to finish there because we've got 10 minutes before we need to pick the kids up. Um, And that's what I want for every single one of you, every single one of you. I just, and me actually, because there are still things in me that I'm insecure about, you know, gosh, yeah, loads. Um, That you would, that we would experience the love of God. Um, And so when we go into the ministry time now, we we have different areas of ministry, so we've got a prayer team who will want to pray with you. If, you. if you want, you know, I really truly believe in the laying on of hands. Right? I truly believe that God imparts things when people in love lay hands on you. So if you want to have somebody lay their hands on you, and when I say that, literally like that. Nobody's going to grab you just like that. The prayer ministry team will be over here, and they can either go into the prayer ministry area and they can sit with you and pray the love of Christ over you and and that, you know, wide, high, deep, massive love of God over you. Or if you just want to go over there and not have anybody pray with you, then nobody will pray with you if you're over here. But I implore you, I implore you, engage in the love of God because it, it delivers you perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love gets rid of, negates, drives out insecurity.